for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Satan Should Not Outwit Us. Should not outwit us. I'll tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, Satan should not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We know what he's doing. I'm going to talk about three things today. Number one, I'm going to talk about our enemy. Then I'm going to talk about our strategy. And then I'm going to talk about the mantle that's on your life. Before I dive into that, let me just kind of springboard with an illustration. I used to play basketball in high school. And on a week of a game, sometimes our coach would get game film of the team that we were about to play that weekend. And we would sit in the locker room and would watch their offense over and over and over again. Rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play. And then we would look at their defense. Rewind, play, over and over. Then we would walk onto the court and we would mimic their defense for our offense. And then we would mimic their offense for our defense. So by the time game time came, we knew all of their plays. We knew exactly what they were going to do, when they were going to do it, and who was going to shoot the ball on that particular play. But there's an interesting phenomenon between game and practice. It's, it's crazy. You, it, it, the players step onto the court, and all of a sudden your heart starts racing, you're sweating, you're not even sure you like the person you're guarding anymore. There's, there's like some animosity that's being built towards a person you've never met in your life. And all of the crowd, the children's, uh, not the children, the student section, children, students, same thing. <laughs> the student section, they're, they're banging, they're... I think that's queen, but you get the point. They're everybody screaming. And they run the play that we knew they were going to run. And it causes our coach to go crazy when it works. And he calls a timeout. He did this many, many times. I can remember his name was Coach Bear. He calls timeout. We come into the huddle. And he goes, guys, we already knew what they were going to do. How is this working? How is this working? We already knew what they were going to do. Here's the line. We already knew their scheme. How is it still working? This is what the Bible is saying. He's saying, we know the enemy's schemes. We know how he operates. It should not outwit us. We should know exactly what's happening. Let me talk about the enemy point number one. This is how he operates. In Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19, it says that he comes in like a flood. He creeps in. He doesn't ring the doorbell and say, hey, I'm about to mess your life up. That's not how he operates. Uh, when when a, a, a woman comes in your life, he's not like, hey, <laughs> this is the one that's going to mess everything up. <laughs> 
When a guy shows up and all the women and all the men, you need to know this. When you meet that person for the first time, if you meet, when you meet anyone for the first time, in a business meeting at a restaurant, you are not meeting them. You are meeting their representative. You don't meet them for another year later. A year. And then you start seeing, oh, oh, oh my gosh, what did I do? This is, he doesn't announce himself. He comes in like a flood. And the way a flood comes in, it's very slow and systematic. The enemy is incredibly patient. He is so interested in destroying your life that he will work a plan for two or three years. He's not going to just try to destroy your life in one day. You'll know it's him. This is the devil. He's got to creep in ever so slowly. And what he does is he finds, just like a flood that comes to your house, the water will find a crack in the wall, a crack under the door, a crack, and slip in very slowly and methodically. If you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah found out that the city of Jerusalem, that the, all, the walls around the city, the fortified city, all the walls had been broken down. This broke his heart because the temple of the Lord was inside of Jerusalem. He said, if we're going to protect the temple of the Lord, we need to rebuild the walls. And you can read in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7 where he shows up and he says, we need to fill the gaps within the wall. Because wherever there was a gap, that's where they're weak. That's where the wall is weak. The enemy looks at you, he looks at me, and he knows exactly where I am weak. He knows exactly where you are weak. You and I are probably not weak in the same areas. We're all different. Maybe we are weak in the same areas. I don't know. But what we have to do is we can't let the enemy outwit us. We have to look at those areas of our life and fill the gaps. Let's, let me get a little practical. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he comes in oftentimes through close relationships. Close relationships. People that you live life with. And so when you're around that person, for example... When you're around them, you drink too much. When you're by yourself, you don't drink too much. You don't like to gossip about people. But when you're around them, you rip people for two and a half hours. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, look at those shoes. Oh, did you hear what the husband did to her? He's been hanging out at the Red Velvet Cabaret. <laughs> That's not you. That's not what you like to do. You don't have a filthy mouth, but when you're around them, you have a filthy mouth. He uses people. Sometimes he will send people into your life who are expert gaslighters. Everybody say that on three. One, two, three. Now look at the person next to you and say, I didn't hear you. Sorry, so now we, we all got to do it again. One, two, three. 
gas lighters. Let me illustrate for you what a gas lighter is. A gas lighter, by definition, is someone who changes the narrative of what just happened. Here's the illustration. Somebody walks up to you and says, Ugh! You hear the voice tone? Ah, you're so rude. Insult, voice tone. In response, you say your voice matches theirs. And you go, how are you going to tell me I'm rude? And they say, why are you yelling? Why are you getting so mad? And you're like, what? You see how they changed the narrative? And now it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not mad. You came to me mad. You came to me and said, why are you so rude? But look, I'm, I'm calm and relaxed. Look at you. Now you're about to go to jail. Why? Because whoever's going to win this argument is the one with the best memory. That ain't how it happened. No, first you came to me and you said, why are you so rude? I didn't say it like that. You're the one who came to me and said, why am I rude? And then you go back and forth. Whoever has the best memory wins. Men, we are at a great disadvantage. Because now we can't remember what we're talking about. We get 15 minutes in and we're like, I'm really mad, but I have no idea what we're arguing about right now. But I'm going to win. <laughs> it's gaslighting. The enemy will come in through people to lower your standards and to gaslight you into anger. Now you were in a great mood before you saw them. Now you're thinking about killing them. And you're in a bad mood. You go to sleep thinking about what you should have said. And then you prepare what you're going to say the next time they say that, which they will never say that again. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Están conmigo? Dígase? Dígense. Sorry, it's the A-N when I'm talking to a crowd. I'm learning Spanish. Work with me. Denada. <laughs> Number two, what is our strategy? Oh, I need to catch this. Part of the enemy moving in like a flood in the day and age that we live in is oftentimes through social media. Because cocktail, the, the co let me say this. Satan often moves into our life through social media platforms. The cocktail for depression is comparison. And so as you're flicking through your phone on social media and you see these people with fabulous lives, they're in the image going, and on the inside of you, you're going, Satan comes in. People that make you feel less about your life are people you need to unfollow. I have preachers 
that are friends of mine that preach better than me in my opinion. And when I see them on social media, I want to quit. So I unfollow them. And they've asked me, you don't follow me anymore? No, I don't. Because I think you preach better than me and I get depressed listening to you preach. If you were in my city, I'd shut my church down and go to your church. I can't follow you, bro. You're too fabulous. I'm just me with bad breath. They get it. When you see the enemy coming into your life, you got to identify that. Ah, oh, I got a, a lust when I am on that app. I lust. When I'm around that person, I get angry. When I'm around this person, I get insecure. This is how the enemy comes to me. We got to close the gaps. Everybody say close the gaps. Yeah. Number 2, our strategy. Mark my words. If you're addicted to porn, if you have a private life that nobody knows about, and you're ashamed about it, you can get in the mirror and do a Tony Robbins pep talk every morning, and it will not help you. It will not help you because when the enemy comes, he is a spirit, and you cannot fight a spirit. You can't walk up to a spirit and like, stay still. You have to fight a spirit with spirit. And how do you do that? How do you do that? You can put your hands together for that for sure. If there's, uh, I need to say this, if, if there's anger in the household, if everybody's always fighting in the household, and then after that, you got to do the love withdrawal. Now I'm not going to talk to you for five days. And I want you to just think about how this feels without hearing me, my wonderful self, in your life. I want you to, how does that feel? It's called love withdrawal. I just came a little too close to home. Sorry, I'll get back out. When, <laughs> it just got awkward in here. When, when that kind of climate is in the house, you can't fight that climate by yelling at the person. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a spirit antagonizing you. You didn't mind his bad breath when you were dating. He always slurped soup that way. You thought it was cute. Now, you think about cutting his throat? <laughs> What's the difference? Before you get married, the enemy wants to push you into something too soon. After you get married, he wants to pull you out too soon. That was good. So how do we fight this? Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. Those who walk in the spirit will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It doesn't say you won't have any. If a moron comes up to you and says something stupid to you, you are going to want to tell them about their mother. 
You're going to want to respond in kind. You're a jerk to me. I'm a jerk to you. Your flesh will desire that. That that lust is not going away. Everyone has different types of lusts. Some people lust. Job said this in Job 31.1. I will make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at any young woman. Some people, it's women. Some people, it's men. Some people, it's food. Some people, it's one more dollar. They'll never have enough money. There's different lusts. It's not saying those who walk after the Spirit will no longer lust. It's not saying that. It's saying those who walk after the Spirit will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I see her, but I'm going this way. I see it, but I'm not going to eat it. I want to put my pillow on top of his face in the middle of the night, but I'm not going to do it. It's the lust of the flesh. You do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me illustrate it this way. I had a friend of mine. His name is David. He's still my friend. We were 17 years old and we went to the movie theater. And we were looking at this particular movie. It was like an action film. But the actress in the action film was drop dead gorgeous. Like, gorgeous. I'm 17. He's 17. I'm like, that's the one. Unbeknownst to me. He has been praying and pursuing God. I didn't know that. He looks at me and he goes, no. I feel really close to the Lord. And if I watch that movie, I'm not going to feel as close to him. And it's just not worth it. So I said, you know, I was thinking the exact same thing. Not worth it. Not worth I don't want to look at her no way. Can you all just extend your hands and pray for me? Because clearly I need the Lord's help in my life. So I looked at him and I thought to myself, you have been walking after the Lord without telling me. You've been experiencing something with God that I don't know about. You still have a lust to see her. You still have a lust to watch the movie. But you're not going to fulfill the lust. The only way you can simmer that anger down. The only way you can hold lust at bay. The only way you can hold depression at bay, the only way, the only way is to walk in the Spirit, be consumed with the Spirit so you don't have time for the rest. It's the only way. This is why the minute we detach, see, nobody in this room is depressed right now at this moment. Nobody. Nobody. Maybe you were depressed last night. 
Maybe you get in dep- you're depressed before you came here, but right here in this room right now, nobody's depressed. Why is that? You just got done worshiping for 24 minutes. Where the enemy gets you is when you disconnect and you're not worshiping. There's a crack, a gap in the wall. And this is why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, don't ever stop praying. When you're sitting in a meeting, pray in your head. When you're walking down the hall, pray in your head. When you're doing the dishes, you're like, God, I need you to clean me just like I'm cleaning this dish. Never stop praying. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times. The moment you disconnect comes in like a flood. Number three, let's talk about our mantle. The mantle on your life, it's like a cloak. The Bible calls it a mantle, but when you read the word mantle, I want you to visualize a cloak. There's a mantle on your life, a cloak, an assignment, a mantle, a mantle is God's assignment on your life that comes with power to complete the assignment. That's your mantle. But the battle that all of us fight is our negative thoughts in our mind that fight against the mantle. The more you can hold those negative thoughts in your mind at bay, the more familiar you become with the mantle. It's your mind versus the mantle. When you pray, you become familiar with the mantle. You begin to visualize the assignment. You begin to get excited in the presence of God, even though you don't have any more answers than you did before you started praying. But you have a peace that passes your understanding. You know God loves you. You know God has something for you. You know that God has something percolating in your life. That's what you know when you're praying. But when you come out of that prayer room, when you're done praying, your mind kicks in with these critical thoughts that say, look where you are right now. Because the mind can't fathom where you're going. The mind can't fathom, it cannot imagine what God has for you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says this, that you cannot imagine the gifts, the plans that God has for you. You can't imagine it. And so your mind is telling you that the plans, the assignment, the mantle, it doesn't exist because your mind can only calculate and observe the physical world. You can only work off of your five senses, but you cannot touch your mantle. You can't smell your mantle. You can't taste your mantle. You can't see your mantle. You can't feel your mantle. 
And so your brain tells you there is no mantle, there is no assignment, there is no power on your life. And the less you pray, the louder your thoughts get. And the more you doubt there was ever a mantle to begin with. The more you pray, the clearer the mantle becomes. And the less you listen to those critical thoughts. But the secret is to stay in prayer. Because if you stay in his presence, you're constantly aware of what he could be doing. You step out of his presence, you have no idea, you forget that he's even there. Are you with me? Say yes. That's your mantle. It's the mind versus the mantle. And everyone here has to decide, how do you want to live your life? Is it all about the here and now? Which is a horrible decision. Because you don't know what's coming up 10 years from now. 15 years from now. 20 years from now. You better not pay attention to just the here and now. Every season that you're in is preparation for the next season. You're being prepared. I'll say this and then I'll be done with this point. We'll close the service. When you are experiencing the blessings of God, you know God as your father. But when you are going through a tough time in life and you're going through something that nobody knows about, you experience God as your friend. You know you are experiencing him as your friend when you are whispering or thinking a prayer that sounds something like this. If you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's when you realize that you have a friend. The closer you walk with him, the closer you talk with him, the more he gets involved in your life. When he gets involved in your life, you see the manifestation of miracles. Some people read about miracles. Some people talk about miracles. But those who walk with the Lord see them. Take a look at this. So I had been having lower back pain for quite a few years and actually and going to the chiropractor and it would help for a little while but it just kept going back to all the pain and um, for the last three days before I came to church on last Sunday the pain was just excruciating I was taking a lot of Motrin which I don't like to do 
and um, spending more time in bed because it was hard to get up, hurt, you know, to walk around. It wasn't, after I'd move around for a while, it wasn't getting better. So I came to church that morning. I came with a friend and um, at the end of service, pastor said, there's somebody that is having lower back pain and it's hurting right now. And they're in that section and he pointed right at me. And so I knew that, you know, God was talking to me. And so I was like, I was so excited. And uh, so I, he, when he called for us to come up, I came up to the front and um, my back was hurting pretty good. And so I, um, I just stayed with my hands raised and pastor came by and he touched my spine. And I had been praying actually that the Lord would heal my spine for quite a while and pastor touched my low back on my spine and he said, do you have scoliosis? And I said, yes, you know, in my lower back. And so he started praying and all of a sudden I felt something moving like in my lower back and my muscles were changing the way I was standing. And pastor said, I can feel it moving under my hand. And so I was like, God's healing me, you know, right now. And so he, you know, went on and, um, the pain just, you know, slowly kept dissipating and dissipating. And by the time I got home, I had absolutely no more pain. Um, the next day when I woke up, I didn't have any pain at all. And all day long, I was testing my back, you know, feeling my back. Is it still straight? Is it still straight? And so um, it is, and it stayed. I went to my chiropractor this morning and got an adjustment. My back is straight and um, God is just so good. So, so good. He's just healed me from all that pain. Thank you, Jesus. If you're, if you're new here, this is the part of the service that I can't prepare for. The only thing I can do is just pray all week long and make it abundantly clear how dependent we are on Him. But I, I've been preaching since I was 19 years old, so, I mean, three years is a long time. Actually, it's it's over 20, 24. I'm, I'm about to be 44, so somebody do the math on What is that, 26? Not really. That's not 26, is it? 25 years? Dear Lord. I don't know how I feel about that. I've always been the, the, the young up-and-comer. Now half the preachers in the woodlands, I'm older than them. That's very awkward. Seasons of life, I guess. But I say I've been preaching this long because if I never preach a sermon again, I would be just delighted. This moment of the service is what I look forward to all week long. Before, most of my preparation was for the sermon. Now most of my preparation is for this moment. You can't prepare for this moment any other way other than just being on your knees and desiring Him. 
because at this moment I want to I want to see a miracle what you just saw was a miracle if you go on our YouTube channel and go back 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 and watch all of our services 99.9% of the services you just fast forward right to the end there's a, a testimony of a miracle miracles happen here you just raise your hands in this room and let's just wait for a moment. Put your hands down for a second. When when she said that I, I had a word of knowledge and she got excited, a word of knowledge is when God tells you what he wants to do right now. A prophetic word is when he tells you what he's going to do. Okay? And sometimes he tells me who he wants to heal right now. Sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. And the way we find out is if nobody comes out of their seat. If nobody comes out of their seat, then we all know I missed it. It was me talking to me and I'm sorry. I tried. But if I'm right, you should be, if you're the person I'm talking to, he just pretty much called you by name. Like this lady right here. Her back was hurting. And I said, somebody in this section, your back is hurting right now. Now everybody has back pain, so. But this section, your back is hurting right now. She knew it was her. She came out of her seat. Except she, that's me. She knew there was. Anyone could have prayed for her and she would have been healed. Anyone. Her faith was so high. She knew God just called her name. So if, if I say that God's doing something. And he wants to heal you. As scary as it is to come out of your seat, you're not going to get embarrassed. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to come stand right here, and then when I dismiss everybody, I'm going to pray for you. That's it. But if you don't come out of your seat, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe God will heal you. I don't know. I don't know those stories. I'm not aware of those stories. You're on your own on that one. I have no idea what's going to happen. But if you say, hey, you're talking to me, and you come out of your seat, the probability of you getting healed oftentimes before I even pray for you is like 90%. It's crazy. Because God called your name and you said, yes, that's me. But if I tell you, this is what I feel the Lord speaking to me and nobody comes out of their seat, then I look at you and I say, I missed it. I'm sorry. And so I just want to find out. I wish I could draw a B right here because I feel like someone in your lower abdomen section you need a miracle right here right here I'm not sure if it's this section or that section but I feel like it's that one the smaller one against the wall. And 
1 Corinthians 11, verse 9, it says, We know in part and we prophesy in part. If I say something and everything is right except one thing, but your heart is racing and you know I'm talking to you, don't get caught up over that detail. That means I messed up. I'm going to come back to that one in just a minute. because you guys are so smart. Was it you over there in the far section against the wall? Thank you for coming down. I know it's, thank you. Going to get healed. I knew, I, I, sometimes I, I kind of feel like I'm wrong, but I'm not sure. But I said, I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I, I knew God wants to heal you. He's probably going to heal you before I pray for you. Okay, so just be ready for that. So this is one I don't typically go after because it seems so vague. And you guys are so intelligent. You know, if I were pastoring a church in, in Dumbville, um, I could get away with being vague. And the, but you guys are too smart for that. You go. So I need to be as specific as I can, even if it means I miss it. But in this section right here, this is one so sensitive. And I want to encourage you to come out if it's you by telling you. More people deal with this than what you know. And so I want you to be brave enough to come out and get your 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 healing. It's in the category of bipolar it's in that category it might not be bipolar but it's in that category and you just hate it because it's ruining everything maybe it's not bipolar maybe it's it's just like this it's like a link in the chain is missing is it you? God's going to heal you God's going to heal you. Come right over here. Come right over here. Someone in this section break a bone recently that's not healing in this center section. It's not healing properly or it still hurts, you broke it, but it still hurts. Maybe you had surgery and you're not healing properly. Is it you? there's someone else too someone else his bone didn't heal but is there someone that had surgery recently and it's not 
There we go. There you are. I'm not gonna ask you what the surgery is. That's personal. It's on your foot. Okay. We all have feet. Yeah. <laughs> Lord's gonna heal him. Ah, it's good to see you. How's your boy doing? Is he back from China? No. I love that kid. Prayer partners, would you come out of your seat for me, please? If you're in this room, you can sense the presence of God. But you know if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you're not ready to see him. You know it. You know it. Nobody's judging you. You just know. You're the most important person in this room. The Bible says that if you're afraid, ashamed of Jesus in front of people, he'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. I want to challenge you to make the decision that today is the day. What's today's day? What? 31st. Yeah. October the 31st was the line in the sand. I want you to make that decision. The line in the sand. So when people come out of their seats to pray with a prayer partner, I want you to come out of your seat. There'll be ushers at the bottom of every aisle. If there's not a prayer partner available, they'll point you to the first one. So just line up at the bottom of the aisle. If you need a healing in your body, more healings take place from these prayer partners than from me. If your marriage, that's, if that's the miracle you need, if it's financial, I want you to come out of your seat take the hand of a prayer partner we don't come together to play church sing four songs make an announcement preach and then send everybody that's no you don't have time for that and I can't stand it we come here to experience his presence so since we know he's here let's not rush out too quick so let's sing this song one time maybe two times through together and then at that point, if you want to continue to sing and stay, you can. If you want to leave, it's up to you. But right now, I want you to start coming out of your seat. Come take the hand of a prayer partner. That's it. Come out of your seat right now. If you're not going to come out of your seat, just raise your hands. And let's worship him together because he's doing a work. He's doing a work.